The human spirit is unconquerable. We are individuals and we are sovereign, born with unlimited potential, gifted from our creator. Our mission is to break free from the systems that bind us. I volunteer as tribute. We strive for peace and prosperity and overcome all challenges, roadblocks, and obstacles. We are empowered because we think for ourselves and we act for ourselves. We are self-reliant and independent, but guided by the wisdom of those who share our values. What possible difference can I make? There is no government, no ruler, nor ideas that are able to stop us. We are driven to succeed because we seek political freedom, financial freedom, and spiritual freedom. It's all for nothing if you don't have freedom. This is Mike Corbell, and you are listening to The Invictus Mind. So Joe Rogan came out today and addressed his concerns about the controversy regarding some of his guests on his show. He has been said to be spreading misinformation for having a couple of doctors who speak out against the mainstream narrative of COVID-19. Of course, Rogan has very long conversations with so many different types of people, and because he is now the largest podcaster in the world, I guess he has a target on his back. Apparently, aged musician Neil Young was offended, and hippie musician Joni Mitchell didn't like these conversations, so the two of them decided to pull their music off of Spotify, which I guess caused the company millions of dollars in revenue. Joe came out today with a short video explaining how he has not intentionally tried to be controversial, but rather enjoys having lengthy conversations that are interesting to him. But he did say he feels the need to have a balance in his program for people who have opposing views, or, in my estimation, the more mainstream narrative. He said he had a responsibility to do this. I guess Joe values his $100 million contract with Spotify and needs to calm the overly sensitive audience that probably never even listened to any one of his three-plus-hour-long shows in entirety. What a world this is when a guy like Neil Young, a has-been with, in my opinion, no real good music to his fame, can stir up such a need to protect those sensitive ears from opposing viewpoints. We really can't keep on rocking in the free world, can we? I think Leonard Skinner had it right when they sang, Well, I hope old Neil Young will remember. A southern man don't need him around anyhow. Of course, you know, I'm not a southern man, but I do sympathize. So, welcome back, everyone. This is, of course, your host, Mike Corbell, and this is the first Invictus Mind podcast episode of 2022. I must start off by apologizing for my lack of content this month. You know, January just got away from me so quickly. I know many of the other podcasts you probably listen to have already come out and released their content, some of them with format changes and new show ideas. Of course, that is my intention this year. I plan on having many great interviews as well as some great topics to discuss that consider political freedom, financial freedom, and spiritual freedom. But you know, this month, on top of everything else that I've been doing, I actually had COVID-19. I know I had it because the guy I stayed with when I was in Orlando tested positive when he got home and just about two days later I was sick you know I was exhausted for 24 hours and had a lingering cold symptoms for about a week and a half and that really put me behind so though that's not an excuse to not put out content I just uh, been trying to catch up also this month I've actually been able to create a new stream of income so with my already busy schedule you know I've been working as a videographer Uh, shooting videos for some of the marketing people in my company at various locations. You know, going forward, I plan on uh, traveling about every two or three months to different city around the country, 
hopefully with my wife, and uh, been able to just uh, shoot content. And, uh, of course, that requires about 25 hours of uh, content separation and editing. And though I do like it, it just it just makes me so darn busy. So, once again, I do apologize for not having content to you, but my plan is to go forward and continue uh, delivering like I have in the past. Well, today's episode is a lot longer than I normally have had, though it's not Joe Rogan long. It is about two hours. I certainly hope that you all listen to the entire episode because it is, in my opinion, a really good one. I, uh, I did a short intro when we started recording, so I'll not speak at great length about it here, but I will say this. For those of you in my audience who are looking for additional streams of income, I think multi-level marketing, or MLM, if done with the right company, is a perfectly viable solution. And of course, my guests had a disagreement about that, and that is what this episode is about. But if you do want to look for a business opportunity to research, uh, you know, continue listening to this program. I'll be sure to drop some information in the future. For everyone else, if you do enjoy this show, please subscribe to your favorite player and leave me a review on Apple so I can grow and continue to put out the great content that you all like. So without further ado, here's my episode. Well, hello, everyone. I'd like to welcome you back to the show. This, of course, is your host, Mike Corbell. Today, I'm talking to a gentleman I met in the Nomad Network. He's a regular contributor there and has shared many of his thoughts. His knowledge and experience has been a great benefit to me. And although I can't speak for everyone else on the platform, I have invited him on his show to have a discussion about some of the various ways people can make money to better themselves in this uncertain economy that we live in in 2022. Now, here on the Invictus Mind, I want to have discussions primarily about what individuals can do to find more freedom. We like to talk about political freedom, spiritual freedom, and financial freedom. And included in that is sometimes ideas about technology and business. Now, this is the first appearance for my guest in the show, so I will introduce, let him introduce himself. But I wanted to let everyone know up front that the reason I invited him on this program is because I threw a challenge to him for us to have this discussion. While I do respect and appreciate much of the content he has been sharing in the Nomad Network, he and I have been at odds at times on the platform, and rather than simply arguing with our keyboards, I wanted to have an open discussion face-to-face. -face. Now, this is not going to be a debate, but rather an open discussion, and we're going to let the audience take it in and decide for themselves what information is useful and what is not. With that being said, my guest today is a business owner. He is a PhD recipient, and he runs a successful practice in the translation services for the medical industry. I'd like to welcome Mr. Robert Linderman. How are you doing today, Rob? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for the introduction. So I understand you're a PhD, but do you call yourself doctor or no? I do. I do. I also, I, and um, I'm blessed or cursed with two uh, doctorates. I'm also an MD. I practice medicine for, uh, for about 20 years. Um, I, uh, I'm the product of an MD PhD program. So, but I, I never, uh, after uh, fellowship, which is after residency. It's just a way to to delay your actually making gainful employment uh, in this world. Uh, I, I I went into uh, private practice and I did that for about um, fourteen years, and then uh, and then uh, suffered mental and spiritual burnout, and and had to resign my uh, my license. Um, and it was and at, at the same time I sort of you know. It, it was, it was uh, sort of trains colliding on a track. I, my, my marriage was also dissolving, my first marriage. 
very, very bad timing for both of those. So anyway, um, the, way, the way that I sort of uh, rose from the ashes, so to speak, without, um, without gilding the lily too much was to um, leverage this skills, knowledge, and experience that I did have into uh, medical and scientific editing and writing business. And that's what I called Liberty Medical Communications. So I want to, I want to, I, I, I gave it, I, I told the, the, your listeners the name um, uh, deliberately because uh, all of the businesses that I've started, except for my medical practice, all of the businesses I've ever started, I put the word liberty in the title because of my uh, commitment to principles of self-ownership and um, um, private property. And uh, every business that my uh, now my current wife has ever started, she's named after herself. So when about exactly one year ago, a one year anniversary is going to be, I guess, uh, Tuesday, uh, we incorporated another business. Um, which was a residential cleaning business because we had just moved to Cape Cod. And it's just, and every business that she's ever started, she's named after herself and her last name is Sakara. So we called it Liberty Sakara. So now I've got those two things going on. So that's, I'm, I'm, I wear two hats and it's, it's, uh, there's, there's often a lot of enormous cognitive confusion that I have. I'll be, I'll be uh, editing an article about uh, cardiac stents and, uh, and a cleaning client will call me and I'll have to, Yep, mentally shifting gears there is can be can be exhausting. So two industries uh, on polar opposite so ends of the world, huh? <laughs> yeah, so I do that too. They're yeah, they they do ter- tend to be fairly different. Um, so so that's the fairly brief backstory. I have a lot of difficulty explaining to people what I do. I hope that I, if people are still confused as to what the my the what what the, the 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 editing business is? Don't worry about it. I have I have I'm unable to describe it in fewer than 21 words. I've tried. <laughs> um, no, I I seriously doubt that any of your you can you can go ahead and plug me, but none of none of your listeners. I'm confident that none of your listeners um, would ever need my services because uh, you're probably not affiliated with the university in Brazil. If you are, if any of your listeners are, however. Uh, Rob Lindeman, 1964 at gmail.com. There you go. <laughs> or libertymedicalcommunications.com. And if you live on Cape Cod, <laughs> never mind. I won't. This is, that's, not, that's not what this is about. Right. Um, well, I, mean, I know you as Rob rather than doctor. So hopefully mm-hmm. uh, you don't mind me not calling you doctor, but I understand that you no, you're, I said, you have an excessive most, background. Most people do. In fact, most people when who, who, Gym people, for example, insist on calling me Dr. Rob just because they think it's fun, and that's fine. But my friends call me Rob, so that works. Hey, well, well 14 years uh, as a private practitioner, and mm-hmm. uh, you know you have extensive knowledge and able to write and edit things, and I won't let you explain that too much. But uh, uh, from what I've been following, uh, things you post, uh, I'm just going to ask, are, are you fluent in, uh, in speaking Portuguese? Portuguese since, yeah, I uh, speak, I speak um, Brazilian Portuguese. Okay. Um, it's what we speak at home. Um, my my wife really wants to bone up her English, so she she really wants me to speak English to her, but she just speaks Portuguese back to me, so that's what we end up uh, defaulting to. And um, I may have told you, I'm not really, sh- I, I can't really call this a, a, a business, although it's a it's a, another one of our side hustles. We have two other side hustles. One is the uh, is the English uh, teaching. Uh, we teach Brazilian Americans in this community where we live uh, in conversational English. And, and she is also by um, um, 
training and inclination, I would say, as a hairdresser. And please don't tell anyone. <laughs> we have a salon in our basement, which uh, I think probably violates zoning laws. But since you and I are both, um, I think I think you and I and, and your listeners probably have similar attitudes regarding um, zoning and occupational licensing and all that sort of thing. So she does that too, and I think that's uh, ultimately what what she what she will do. Now, talking about the the side hustle, Liberty Medical Communications really was my our, our main hustle, and I thought that this cleaning business was going to be a side hustle, and they they switched seats in about four months, and because I had no idea that this business would take off the way that it had, the way that it did, excuse me. And so I'm probably going to scale down uh, the, the writing and editing business, which I can, and scale up the other one. The well, well, I really yep. like uh, I really like the fact that you uh, you introduced the word liberty in all your uh, mm-hmm. all your introductions and in your businesses. Although in this day and age, that word can uh, can lead to many discussions that uh, go out down many different tangents. What do you but mean? That, what do you mean by liberty? Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> and so right. I uh, I like to use the word freedom. I think that's a, a little bit more um, definitive. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, you know, uh, you and I, what we do have in common is that, uh, you know, we uh, we met each other through the Nomad Network and the Jason Stapleton program. Correct. So now I don't want to make it my business to plug that show every single time I have an interview. But, uh, you know, it has been an influence to me. And I've, I've had many, uh, many of the members of that network onto this podcast. And, um, you know, I just want to throw it out there. Uh, Rob, how long have you been listening to Jason Stapleton for? So I uh, he was a guest on Tom Woods show. Um, okay. many years ago. And that's how I first uh, caught on to him. And at the time, um, Darren was still his co-host and this was, and the topic was still mostly political stuff. Um, and so I, I started following him. I wasn't buying any of his stuff, but I, I like, I thought, you know, like, like we, we've talked offline about, about what the, the elements of a, of a podcast are. I thought he was entertaining. He was uh, informative. I, I, personally like him. And uh, I think I generally align with him um, in in terms of his worldview. So that helped a lot. But as he went through his changes, and and, and some of your listeners may know that the format of his show has changed a couple times now, since I've uh, started following him, and I've stuck with him, because I like him. And I generally uh, uh, agree with the, the things he says, and he entertains me. Um, and then there's one other very important thing, and I think that that's it, it dovetails with the the Nomad Network is that I listen to Jason because he gives me he for for the kick in the pants, um, the 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 positive energy and the encouragement, and because um, kick in the pants sounds has has negative overtones, but uh, I he he it's uh, it's it it was a daily pep talk, and then it became a weekly pep talk, and now it may be becoming a thrice weekly pep talk. Um, I, I, I don't know, while well, he's trying to find out what his format's going to be. And I'll say another thing about Jason. Um, I have, and, and, and this is probably going to lead into um, some of the topic that we'll talk about later. I have encountered um, folks who do what he does who are frankly charlatans uh, and are sell, sell their stuff um, but really don't have any business uh, selling their stuff because the stuff they sell is of poor quality. And uh, I, what, I, what really uh, I find attractive about Jason is his honesty. 
uh, he he's an honest guy. And I think that there's something in his constitution which just doesn't allow himself to over, it doesn't allow him to oversell himself and to oversell the stuff that he, that he sells. You know, a great example, I think, is his, uh, is his trading course. I mean, he comes out and says, you know, he basically, you know, looks at the viewer in the eye and says, you're going to lose money doing this. And I, and I, and I don't think it's just um, legal protection. I, I think that he, he it, it comes out of honesty, even though he is running the risk of his potential students and clients saying, well, pff, I'm out then. But of course they don't, they, they, people stick with it. And I, 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 I find that rare and refreshing. And I, I, forgive me, if Jason listens to your show, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to blow smoke at the guy, up the guy, you know, I, I have, uh, you know, I, I don't agree with everything he says or the way that he proceeds. And, you know, I'm still not quite sure what's going on with the Nomad Network. And we, we, we may get into sort of talking about that too. Um, but uh, it's, a, it's, it's a great program. And, uh, and I like, I mean, I listen, I listen to his podcast and I and I listen to yours. I confess, you know, I've only got I've only got two of these and and two legs and twenty four hours in the day, and I can't listen to uh, uh, that many. But I like the entertaining ones and the ones that I that I you know generally agree with. And if that if the, if 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 I'm if I must be accused of um, uh, stepping into an echo chamber, so be it. I just don't have enough time in the day, you know, to to listen to Joe Rogan. <laughs> Right. I just listened to uh, Joe Rogan and, and Dr. Peterson's episode yesterday. It was four it's and been a getting a lot of that, that one's been getting a lot of heat. I, I got to tell you, Mike, I'm not going to do it. I, and not because I don't want to or just I just I haven't I haven't got the time. I, I, right. I just, you know. Well, I've been fortunate enough to listen to many podcasts just because of some of the side hustles I do myself and, and, and mm-hmm. doing, running various sales calls and, and my general interest in, in, in having a podcast on my own only because I have a lot of thoughts and I think it would benefit many people to listen to them. So I think that uh, for those who are not familiar with Jason Stapleton, you did a great introduction as to who he is, but uh, he had a show formerly called Wealth, Power and Influence. And that was as a result of uh, kind of his one of his major shifts uh, in his um methodology i guess uh, in his in his message uh, mm-hmm. starting more in the political arena and uh, what i really agreed with uh, that philosophy was that he shied away from the need of actually participating in the political arena in other words uh, you know i used to be an activist myself in politics and uh, you know anybody who knows me if we get into a political discussion and we're just going to go on a tangent it's going to run two or three hours and probably going to you know disagree a lot you and i may not because we share some of the same ideology mm-hmm. But uh, I really like Jason's message about, you know, changing yourself to acquire more freedom in this world rather than trying to use a political channel to do that. And as a result, uh, you know, Jason Stapleton has proven to me, at least, that he is competent as a as a coach and a mentor. Uh, Some of his experience and some of the things he says, like you, I, I, I agree. I don't agree with everything, but where he and I do see eye to eye. You know, I think I have a similar background as him. And, uh, you know, I think that it's a, it's a great message for people who really want to have freedom in this world, not to just focus on the political arena, because how much can we really do in a political arena anyway? You and I, you know, depending on our level of influence, you know, one of those key words that he uses a lot, 
how many people can we reach with our political message? Whereas if we take the approach of, okay, we're going to benefit ourselves first, our family, maybe our, you know, our close connections, our friends, and then of course our network and, and, and reach out that way. And I think that's, that's probably one of the truest and easiest ways to achieve freedom in this world for ourselves and everyone else. What do you think about that? I think it tends to maximize your happy. I agree. I think it tends to maximize your, or, or in- increase your happiness as well. Um, if you're, uh, because the because uh, politics is designed to disappoint and and disappoint you and make you angry and and um, most but uh, mostly disappointment. I mean, I, I I think that the longer that you live, I think that uh, the more political dis- disappointments that you experience, and then you can choose not to uh, uh, be disappointed if you opt out, um, as we have done. There's a um, uh, play by Voltaire called Candide, where at the, at the end of it, after all of the, all of the journeys that all of the characters have taken, at the end, they all collectively just decide, you know what we're gonna do? We're just gonna tend to our own garden. And sort of, sort of the, the, the punchline of all of this was, you know, really the, best, the, way, to, the way to maximize your, your, one of the ways to maximize your happiness is to tend to your own garden. I mean, it's your garden after all, no one else is going to tend to it. And I think that you and I agree that it's no one else's responsibility to make sure that your garden doesn't get uh, overrun by uh, by infestations or that the you know that the um, people don't uh, that rob you rob you of your flowers. And it's your you no no one no one else is going to protect and, and tend to your garden any better. No one's going to look after it better than you. And how liberating is it mm-hmm. to to uh, accept that responsibility? you know, for, for your, uh, for your own affairs. Now I've done a, a mini sort of experiment, Mike, for like the, the last 18 months or so, I have just not read anything on Facebook. Um, and I, I certainly don't watch the news. M- my life is no different. I don't get, I, I, I don't get angry about this stuff. There, there are certain magazines also that I used to read that I don't read anymore. And, uh, you know, I don't, that's, you know, one, I, I don't think that my life is less uh, rich because of it. Somebody from Sarasota, Florida is calling me and I'm, gonna, I'm not going to answer that because you're, you're more important anyway. Um, <laughs> well, so um, before Sarasota, we were talking about, all right, yeah, uh, uh, responsibility um, and, uh, and, and turning off politics. I, I was never politically active, but I've, I have my, my own political journey has um, veered all over the map. I was a um, garden variety uh, uh, leftist statist in the early part of my life, um, then became a statist conservative before being um, a libertarian. Uh, and then, um, and I don't, I, I don't want to sh- shock or turn off too much of your, of your audience. I'm probably a philosophical anarchist, I think, would be the best. I think practically, I, I, I think practically speaking, I think that it would probably be a very bad idea if we woke up tomorrow morning and we lived in uh, in, a, in in an anarcho-capitalist society because we haven't prepared the institutions to to survive such a transition overnight. But I am a, I was I would call, I would refer to myself as a philosophical anarchist, not just a a, a libertarian. So how's that for? Um, I've been I, I've I have traipsed all over the map and. Um, just from life experience and um, paying attention and reading and things like that. Who knows? I, I, I can't say that I'm going to be an anarchist or even a libertarian for the rest of my life, but um, 
<laughs> there, there you go. There well, I is. think you and I agree on at least that much as far as terminology goes. I would call mm -hmm. myself a philosophical anarchist. I, I oh, like cool. that idea. Nice. Um, but, you know, over the last uh, two years, as, as the world has seemed to do a 180, uh, as far as freedom goes and the, the American way of life, uh, you know, there have been many philosophies that have been called into question, I think. And, you know, I want to give a shout out to uh, to uh, Matthew Erickson. Unfortunately, he is uh, no longer co-hosting with Jason Stapleton. I, I think he gave a good contrast to Jason Stapleton program. Uh, but I, I, I've, I've spoken to Matthew on this podcast and, you know, I've, I follow out since he says, and I would I would put him into the camp of uh, a philosophy or a philosopher, mm -hmm. which is, you know, really where I align to. I, you know, I, I was looking for the ideas that will push the needle. Right. Mm -hmm. And I had this conversation with my with my brother often because he's he's what I will call a thinker. And there's a division between thinkers and doers. And I think mm -hmm. that was a great contrast. I liked when uh, wealth, power, influence is on there. I, I would call Matthew more of a thinker. I mean, I'm sure he does his, you know, in his own right. He, he is a doer in his own right. He has to run a family. But, you know, Jason is much more of a doer kind of mentality. And, and, and Matthew is much more of a thinker. And I kind of I kind of fall right in the middle. You know, I, I like to think about deep topics. I like to have deep philosophical conversations. But I am also a doer and I have a mentor who is, I think that my mentor, if, if him and I, ever, if him and Jason ever had a chance to talk to each other, they would find themselves very much aligned, which is why I really associate with Jason Stapleton, because, you know, my good friend, my mentor has kind of ingrained that doer mentality. You know, you got to get things done for yourself because you can't just sit around and think all day and expect the world to change. If I got to tell you, Mike, though, if I could get paid doing it, I would, I'd, 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 I would look out the window and, and, and think deep thoughts and, and write. Um, but uh, no, that's, uh, that's not going to happen. I think, I think, or I'd, um, I would, I would be a, a linguist. Um, I would, uh, yeah, but you, I, right, I, I still have to make a living. So think, right. but on, honest to God, figure out some way for us to get, you know, paid to theoretical physicists have figured this out. I'm no good at, phys at physics though. The theoretical physicists get paid to um, scribble down equations and look out the window and space out. And, but uh, I'm not, uh, I, didn't get, I didn't get good enough grades in physics or, and I can't do, and I, and, and, and I, and I the, my, my, my math got off at an early stop. So I, I <laughs> I can't do that either. So, well, you know, for you, you, you said the word that I think is uh, is relevant to this conversation, and, and it's, it's practically, practically speaking, right? Mm -hmm. So, if we're going to, uh, you know, shape this conversation into into a, a sensible topic for people to to relate to, you know, we have to talk about the practical application that people can do in today's world. One of the reasons why, again, I'll plug the Nomad Network is I think it's a great place for like-minded people to associate, but they're sharing with each other the things that they're actually doing in their life. Right. Because, you, you know, you can talk on Facebook and Twitter and, and, you know, a million other channels about the philosophy of freedom. But what Jason and, and again, my mentor has always taught me is, you know, if you want freedom, you need to get that freedom. You need to do the things that will ensure you having freedom in your life. In other words, wealth, power, and influence, right? right. Well, my, my mentor always told me that the more money you have, the more freedom you have. So the question now becomes, well, okay, that's, that's easy enough to say, mm -hmm. but how can people make money in this world? And I think that's, you know, that's where I want to take this conversation, Rob, is 
the different ways people can actually make money so they can actually experience having more freedom in their life. Cause at the end of the day that, you know, like I said, the more money you have, the more freedom, but often people live in this world, they're conditioned or programmed or indoctrinated, whatever word you want to use to get that nine to five J O B that job. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced that that's probably the least secure way to have freedom that you can have. We've experienced this in 2020 when the government just decided we're going to shut down all the non-essential businesses, whatever that means, right? And how many people actually were out of work because they had not prepared to you know, do something else? Right. Right. I don't have, uh, really, I, I have to say though, I have no, uh, the, the, the being employed by somebody else, um, for me, I have no philosophical uh, objection to, and I would be I would be unwise to say so anyway, I, because I am an employer, um, and um, of, and I and and I would argue that um, this is a uh, as an employer, what I'm engaged in is a mutually beneficial exchange. I I exchange with my with the employees of my cleaning company um, something that is m- more valuable to them and less valuable. To me, and they do exactly the same thing in the uh, in in reverse. They provide uh, labor, uh, and in, in exchange for which they get money. And uh, and on the other end, I get the I get the labor, and then I, I I I get the labor, and I and I get money too. So it's a those are mutually beneficial exchanges. Now, what I think uh, would be the ideal situation would be for us to seek out ways in which we could, that was a scammer who called me, how do you like that? Um, Seek out ways to engage in mutually uh, beneficial uh, uh, interactions with one another, unencumbered by a a third party who's going to steal money from us um, that that, that we are engaging in. I think, Mike, once you you start your own business, I I learned this, so I, I, I incorporated my first company in 2002. Um, so this is 20 years now. And you can't, it, it's like the first time you get a paycheck and you see, and you see the FICA removed. The, the first time you, you open a business and you see how much of the money gets ripped off you <laughs> by, by individuals who have no, who, who did not work for that money that they took from you. Uh, it changes you, man, mm-hmm. right? It, 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 it changes your attitude. And I think, I think that's why a lot of people become uh, conservative. I think probably really what they mean is that they, they want to become uh, uh, libertarian. Um, now, here's where I agree, I agree with you about what's happening on the, the, the Nomad Network. Um, Jason has hit upon, I think, a, 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 a point that resonates, which is that all of us, no matter who we are, where we come from, have um, a, a, a capacity to develop a skill, knowledge, or experience that we can leverage uh, in this life in a way that was not possible when I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you are, was, I, I tell you, was really not possible when I was a kid or when I, when I was first starting out. And there are folks who are making comfortable livelihoods as, as, as podcasters, you know, kind of hoping that for you, um, as being, um, as recently as just a few years ago, um, and this is relevant to you, Mike, um, video production was uh, a, a complicated and expensive proposition to get into, and that's been 
blown open and really good video production, high quality work in lots of different niches and you're working into one of these niches is now possible and, and people are able to leverage these skills, knowledge and experience they have and actually make uh, money doing it. What this network does is encouraging people to take that, to take that step, which is not the same thing as saying that you shouldn't have, because this could be your nine to five job, right? Mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And I hope, like, for instance, I hope you get so big with all of this, that you've got to hire people to, to do stuff for you. You know, I, even, even now I, um, I subcontract out stuff. I've got, um, I've got web people um, uh, and they happen to be in another country. I mean, they're in, these guys are in Toronto, right? But the internet allows them to, you know, we found each other and I like the work that they do. I've got a marketer. She happens to be local. Um, I, uh, I'm not, I'm not currently subbing out any other kind of work, but you know, the busier you get, you can hire people, right? Mm -hmm. uh, who, out, who will have their own um, uh, skills, knowledge, and experience. And uh, what, this is a, a slightly different take on what's happened in, during the pandemic. The, the, this, this treasure trove of opportunity has been there for some time. What the, 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 the pandemic in many ways was a nudge and nudged a lot of people uh, uh, into this um, who might've already been inclined to do it, you know, and uh, whatever the great resignation is, I, I don't know what it is. I don't, I think that the people are starting to um, find their own sources of value and uh, leveraging them, uh, and they might have done so anyway. But they, they maybe they needed this nudge, and I'm I'm glad for. I mean, I don't mean to be Pollyannish. I'm Pollyannish about practically nothing. But I'll be I'll I'll be Pollyannish about this this silver lining aspect of the pandemic, which has um, nudged the economy in this direction. And I and I and I and I I hope that it the government doesn't figure out some way to screw it up. <laughs> Because they're, they will if they can, right? Well, that's that's what their main function is. <laughs> you know, Rob. Right. So, uh, having lived in this world for forty four years now, and my working life yeah. has gone on since I was sixteen. So it's almost you know thirty years that oh. I've been uh, in the working field, right? Mm -hmm. I've had many jobs, J O B, and you know, the, there's a cute acronym called "Just Over Broke" for those who have jobs, right? Yeah, familiar with and, it. And, and you you've, you mentioned that you know not everybody can be an entrepreneur, and I'm fine with that, right? right. There are there are some I mean, obviously as an employer, I, uh, I I work with people, and we'll discuss what that word employer means, employee, in a second. But uh, you know, I, I've worked with people who you know have been employees and they've been in situations where the boss treats them bad. They don't feel like they get paid enough. Uh, you know, they have to call in uh, for having time with their family. If they're sick, you know, they risk, if they don't go to work, uh, you know, they're going to lose that job. And uh, it's, it's just a situation that's very stressful for many people. On top of that, like, I, again, just to reiterate, you know, if you have a job, you're at the mercy of your employer. In other words, for whatever reason, if the business doesn't do well, the employer can say, I can't afford this labor anymore. I'm going to have to let you go. Right. Uh, you're, you're at the mercy of the government. They, you know, they can shut you down for whatever reason it seems like nowadays, right? You're at the mercy of any number of things. And so having being an employee, although you know you are trading your time for money, and you know this can be a whole economic discussion about that and whether that's exploitation or not, but you know you generally are just trading your time for money. As Robert mm -hmm. Kiyosaki said, 
you know, one of the cash flow quadrants is being an employee. And so if you don't have the skills or the capacity to be a business owner, which is on the other side of the cash flow quadrant, you know, you're kind of stuck in that position. And so Jason Stapleton will say, you know, everybody is really an, an entrepreneur. And what he means by that is that, you know, you have to take care of yourself. You have to take care of your own finances, your family's finances. You know, if you have a, a situation at home that you need to attend to that, you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the entrepreneur mindset. However, you know, if you are an entrepreneur, you want to make sure that you have more than just one client, right? If you have, if you have a business of your own and, you know, I'm sure you can attest to this as a business owner yourself, if you had only one client, what happens if that client, for whatever reason, decides to no longer work with you? Correct. Now, now you're going to be in trouble. Well, Correct. are you more or less at risk being an entrepreneur with one client than you are with a job with one, essentially, a client that you work for? No, you're pretty much in the same boat. Right, yeah. exactly. So the risk factor to being an entrepreneur, in my mind, is, is probably, at least if you develop the skills to go down that route, at least you have more options. You know, you find people who've been in this in the same factory for 20 years or who've been, you know, a truck driver. And, you know, if that's the only skill set that you have, well, then you're in trouble if anything happens to that job. Right. And so being a, hustle. Be, that's be, what, right. Go ahead. Develop, develop a side hustle. So it's, it's fantastic advice. Um, by the way, there is a certain Pareto principle that involved that, that is involved in, in, um, in a lot of businesses as well. You may, you may have more than one client, but if you're like me, um, you have you have many clients, but you've got a few big ones that you, you, you can afford to lose them, but it hurts when you do just just to completely round this out and to sort of tell you this is the, this is the case in both my businesses right now. There, there are uh, in, in 2020 or 20 it doesn't matter in, in within the last couple of years, um, two of my big two major clients went away, not because they didn't like my work. They just contract ended. You know, we're we're done. Uh, and I, I had a, a lot of other um, uh, clients, but it just didn't make it up and, and, uh, for it. And that, and, and, and that business took a hit. By, by, by comparison, it's the same, it's the same way in, in our business. We have some, um, you know, we have a lady who's, uh, uh, who's all we do is clean her bathroom. And then we've got a, um, uh, a, a 16 room mansion in Hyannis. You know, I uh, really don't want to lose the latter, but you know, if we lose the former, that would, that, that, that's not going to hurt as much. So just, just to, you're, you're right. You don't want only one client, but just, just to know that, you know, for, for a lot of us, not that we play favorites there, there still is um, in there. And it, this is a, this is a subtlety, which is we've already lost your audience and I don't want to make your, I don't want to make your, uh, your, your, your podcast terribly boring. Um, what, let me, let me, let me take issue with one thing that Jason says about um, I would, I would amend, amend what he says. Everybody is a potential entrepreneur. I would not say that everybody is an entrepreneur because words have meaning. And, um, I, 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 I get, I get what he's saying, but, um, I don't agree. I, there are, uh, you, you, you can be, uh, you know, you can say you like, for instance, this garden, you, you're, you're not, you have this garden in your backyard and you tend to it and it's yours and you take ownership uh, over it, but it doesn't make you an entrepreneur unless you're selling um, the stuff that you're, 
that you're growing and you, uh, you know, you have a product and marketing and branding and, and, and all that stuff. But so um, I, I, I don't, I'd like, you know, I'd like to, I, I'd, I'd love to have a, to sit down and um, I'm so glad that, uh, that, that, that Jason is, is, is drinking again, by the way, I've known Jason longer. When I first met him, <clears throat> he lived, uh, he, he, he was, he was sort of emerging from his um, extremely conservative uh, uh, upbringing. Um, he didn't drink. And he uh, and, and actually was public about it, about the fact that he didn't drink, not because not for medical or, or, or spiritual reasons, but um, it, uh, for cultural reasons. And um, and he started drinking again. So I would love to sit down and have a bourbon with uh, with Jason and ask him, like, what does he really mean by this? Everybody is an entrepreneur thing um, because he clearly is. And I think that he wants to encourage entrepreneurship in us. And if he does. I hope that he, we would be a little bit more precise with what we mean mm -hmm. by yeah. entrepreneur, and you know that that may that may relate to the reason why you um, uh, invited me on the show, because uh, for for me, I want to say that our entrepreneur has one and only one meaning, but there are things that entrepreneur does not mean, and and one should not mistake. Uh, the the word for the the thing that it signifies for, okay. for or, or for something that it does not signify. That's that's fair enough, and I, I'm going to mm -hmm. ask you to expand on that definition of entrepreneur in just a second here. Okay, but I, I think that uh, you know what I've discovered in this world is that the opportunities are. You mentioned you alluded to this before. Opportunities mm -hmm. are more plentiful these days than probably have ever been in the last twenty years, and so when, for somebody to seize an opportunity. Maybe I would loosely call that a an entrepreneur, but uh, go ahead and expound on your definition of what an entrepreneur is not, and then we can go and talk about the you know the different opportunities that are out there. Well, a, a, an employee is not an entrepreneur. Okay. Um, they they it, it, they uh, are individuals who are involved, and and I I I'm I don't like the expression. Um, a trading uh, time for uh, for money uh, because it, it's too pejorative. There is another way that I think is equally valid to describe it, which is engaged in a mutually um, beneficial exchange. Uber driver is not an this this person is not an entrepreneur. What he is involved, he or she is doing, is exchanging something that is more that is more valuable to another person for something that is more valuable to them. Right. Yeah, they have a car and they got someone out there who wants, a, who wants a ride. That person has money. You want money. You want the money more than you need uh, the time that it's going to take to drive that person. And that person uh, needs the ride more than they need the money that they're going to give you. It's absolutely beautiful. Uh, I, I can't sing the praises of this system enough. It is an absolutely beautiful ex uh, example of mutually beneficial exchange. And that's what an employee is. Right, they are they are an individual who is engaged in a mutually beneficial exchange. What they are not doing, and what the entrepreneur is doing, and I think the key word in in entrepreneurship is risk. There, it, where there is no risk, there is no entrepreneurship, and uh, a a and and when there is where there is no risk, there is no gain. An entrepreneur, by definition, uh, has an idea, um, uh, and uh, puts their treasure at risk. Uh, for the sake of developing this idea, which is going to turn into 
what frequently ends, what usually ends up being something that they, a product or a service that they sell uh, to someone else. And um, the people who they employ are involved in these mutual beneficial exchanges with the entrepreneur, but they themselves are not entrepreneurs. Now they could be entrepreneurs, but they're, but, uh, and I, you know, I, I hope they do. Let me tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm being, I am not trying to blow smoke up my own rear end, but the reason why I teach English is not, not only because uh, it's a mutually beneficial exchange, I get money for doing this, but the, these individuals come to me because they materially want to uh, improve their circumstances. And there is no way that they're going to do that these are adults, adult speakers of Portuguese. They are not going to improve their material circumstances in the United States without, without speaking passable English. And I'm helping them to do that. So uh, uh, it's uh, th this form, so, they, so that they can start their own cleaning companies, um, start their own carpentry uh, businesses, start their own landscaping businesses, and that their children who will speak fluent English. Uh, you know, it's the, that's, that, that to me is what sort of the story of, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, our, um, uh, America, you know, our, our immigrant forebears. Um, my, both sides of my family have already been here for more than a hundred years. They all arrived in the, uh, in the, in the 19th century. So mm -hmm. you know, we've had okay. boom and bust cycles, but that's generally the way the story goes. Well, or well let me, let me yeah. share with you. I, I think I agree with your idea of uh, the word entrepreneur, somebody who puts yeah. a risk, I, although I would probably include financial risk, not just any risk. Oh yeah. We yeah. Talked, yeah. We talked about risk is. before, you know, if you're right. putting up, if you're putting in a financial risk uh, with the uh, uh, intention of marketing or developing an idea, then that would be a, a definition of an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. However, you're, we, we probably have to condense the idea of mutually beneficial arrangement into a single word that is not an employee because that employee might fall into that category. But I think there is a distinction between, I'm going to use this example, an Uber driver and an employee. And the one main distinction I will say is the way that taxes are taken. Now, maybe that is not included in the, in the English definition of entrepreneur, but if you are an employee, for example, and you have a W-2, right, you, your taxes are taken out. We mentioned this earlier from the government, mm -hmm. right? You have that FICA, funds I can't access. However, as a Uber driver, for, for example, you know, your taxes, are, you're not getting a paycheck. You're getting payment for a service. Okay, mm -hmm. so there is a distinction in my mind between an employee with a W-2 and somebody who is a mutually beneficial arrangement person, for lack of a better word right now, in the fact that, you know, as an Uber driver, you can work when you want to, mm -hmm. you can provide services for essentially whoever you want, you can deny whatever call comes in, and you don't have to, you know, have your taxes taken out. So right. no, 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 I guess wait, no, this is where well, I'm sorry, I got to stop you there. Um, uh, and I know this from personal experience. Um, at the end of the, every year, Uber sends you a 1099, and you are required to pay taxes on those 1099 earnings. Right. I, I didn't say that you're not required to take taxes, but the yeah. difference okay. is whether you get a paycheck every Friday and you have your taxes automatically taken out, or you have to actually see an accountant and you know and have your mm -hmm. your taxes calculated. I think there's a distinction in those two types of uh, of arrangements. And so for lack of a better word, I would not classify an Uber driver as an employee 
maybe not an entrepreneur, but we need to settle on some kind of terminology, I think. Independent independent contractor. And actually, this is, I mean, we're, we're going to derail our discussion. We're never going to get to what we want to talk about. But this is precisely the issue uh, that has occurred in, in, uh, in California and in, uh, uh, and in many other states. Are uh, uh, drivers, employees of Uber, or are they independent contractors? And um, I side with the, the those who would say that they, these are independent contractors. They do not work for Uber. Uber is a broker who brokers right. the exchange between between the driver and the passenger. Um, they, you could say that they uh, work for themselves, but really what they are is a uh, an independent contractor who. Uh, is offering services and getting paid for it. And I think it's a beautiful thing. Okay, well, great. I'm glad that you mentioned the independent contractor because that's where we're mm-hmm. going to go next. So okay. the reason why you and I have gotten together is because we've had sort of a, a number of exchanges. Uh, I am a product of multi-level marketing, network marketing, what have you. And uh, I've, uh, I'm going to just throw out uh, you know, some of my past experience with that. And then we're going to kind of get into uh, your, your thoughts and why we probably differ on many different levels. So I was introduced to this concept, this multi-level marketing concept back in 2006. I was an employee. I had several jobs. I didn't like my jobs. I didn't like my bosses. Uh, I didn't feel like I had control of my income or of my, uh, my time. So when I was introduced to this concept, multi-level marketing, I would, would have been classified or defined as an independent contractor for a larger firm, happened to be in a financial industry. So your word earlier, being Uber being a broker, I actually worked for a broker in the financial sense. I was working for a broker. I was an independent contractor. Now, with that being said, I opened my, my, my eyes up to many different possibilities as an independent contractor, right? And so I learned how to control my time, how to control my income, how to essentially work for who I want to work with, but I would never call myself an employee, so I think that was, that was a distinction I wanted to lay out right there because mm-hmm. as an independent contractor with the firm I worked with, I was paid on a 1099. So of course, at the end of the year, I would have to you know, declare my income and, and pay my taxes accordingly. Uh, but for all the reasons I just mentioned, I think there's a huge distinction between employee and an independent contractor. Now, where you come in, you would say that, you, that I would not be an entrepreneur as a member of a multi-level marketing firm. And I think that uh, I have sort of a, uh, a different opinion when it comes to that, because there have been many times as an independent contractor within that firm, within the multi-level marketing structure, that I have put my own financial, uh, I've had taken many financial risks on my own. Did I come up with the idea for the company? No. So, you know, I think that's where we want to go. So why don't we talk about multi-level marketing itself? That's really what, you know, where we started, why I invited you on the show. And, you know, I want to talk about the, the benefits, the pros, and, and then, of course, uh, the cons and, and the negatives. Sure. And we'll start off by saying this. With any industry, Rob, there's going to be bad people, bad players. There's going to be scammers. There's going to be people who misrepresent the opportunity itself, the company itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, oftentimes, that type of person will give the industry itself a bad name which I will perfectly accept. You know, there's all kinds of people who are trying to take advantage of others, and I've encountered some of these people. But in my opinion, multi-level marketing itself is not a bad business structure. Now, you disagree. Correct. By the way, there are bad doctors um, and, and uh, bad lawyers. I've met many of both. Um, so 
my um, uh, first of all, let me, let me explain how this whole journey began. It actually didn't. I, I did have a, a, an MLM experience once. I didn't know what MLM was, so I, I, I just want to get that out there. That that isn't the source of, of my animus. I want before I tell the story, though. I just wanted to know sort of what the what the what the uh, um, American film censor. Uh, uh, rating of your program is I, I want to I want to be able to know what version of this story I'm allowed to tell on your program um, is it uh, is it rated PG 13 or is it rated R should I tell the uh, should I tell the PG 13 version uh, if you're talking about expletives that, that come to mind no you know. <laughs> no no just um, uh, adult adult activities I'll tell the PG 13 I, I didn't prepare you for this so there was a there was a woman. Um, who I was uh, uh, briefly, very briefly involved with, um, who uh, gorgeous, really attractive woman. Um, and she reached out to me um, many years ago uh, when, when I was um, uh, involved in, in another, uh, I, didn't, I, I only told you about my successful businesses. I didn't tell you about my unsuccessful ones. Um, I had, there was one business that I had just launched and it was really doing badly. And she reached out to me and said, oh, I, I know some people who can help you. And really what I was thinking was, I wasn't trying to find help for my business. Um, I, I thought this was an opportunity to get together with this woman. <laughs> and I very quickly found out, I mean, this is really, it, 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 it's not an MLM story. It's a, it's a um, Rob doesn't sometimes think with his brain story. Um, and, uh, and well, she wasn't really interested in, I learned very quickly, probably about three weeks into this, that the, um, the, shall we say the romantic piece of this relationship with her wasn't going to happen. Uh, and I, and I, and I backed out and that's the reason why I got involved in that MLM. So I tell that story just because, you know, it has nothing to do with, it has nothing to do with being scammed. I don't feel like I was being scammed. I think that, I think that I, I allowed, um, I, I allowed the, the, the lesser angels of my nature to uh, to dominate and that was kind of a that, that 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 was kind of bad on me. Let me tell you how the how the MLM story really started. And again, now I'm going to totally bore your your uh, listeners. So I get I get on these kicks and I was watching a bunch of YouTube content from the skeptic community. Mm. I actually have a very good friend back from my medical days who is he's he's a, he's a family um, uh, he's actually a hospitalist a pediatric hospitalist but he's a um, he's a an amateur skeptic. And I, I watch their content. Now there's this one skeptic who I love. His name is the, um, the, his channel is called Genetically Modified Skeptic. I'm not getting any money to plug this guy. And he has, um, every once in a while, his wife, cute young woman, would appear on his show and she's got her own kick and she wanted to start her own YouTube channel. And she started putting out this, this content. And I thought, all right, she's kind of cute. I'll, I'll, I'll watch her stuff. And I, I thought, well, all right, you know, her delivery isn't so great and her production values aren't so great, but I'll, I'll, I'll listen to some of her stuff. All right. She produced anti-MLM content. Mm. I had no idea what an MLM was, even though I had been involved in one. I, I had no idea what anti-MLM content was, but I started listening to this and I got um, uh, uh, dragged it, it into, this, um, into this rabbit hole. And in a, in a way, it was sort of like a red pill moment where your eyes open up and you see something that has always been there, but you just didn't see it because you're paying attention to anything else. There is a very famous psychological video um, where there are five people passing a basketball to each other and the students are told, 
count how many times the basket is the basketball is passed. And halfway through this video, which can't be longer than two minutes long, a, a guy in a gorilla suit walks right through the group to the uh, even waves. And um, and and the, the 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 teacher asks, "How many of you saw the gorilla?" Mike, shockingly few people. They're concentrating so hard they don't see the gorilla walk right through the screen. And I tell you, it's not uh, it's it's not hard to miss. Um, it's not easy, I'd rather, it's, it's, it's obvious, it's right there. Just wait, if you say, just wait for the gorilla. Now, with MLM, it was like, there is this huge um, entity in the American economy among people that, that I know, not so much in this community as in, in other parts of the country, that I was never aware of. And I just became fascinated with this. And then simultaneously, I got involved in the Nomad Network. And for reasons that I'll, I, I can probably explain this now, and I don't care if Jason watches the show, he had intimated that this was going to become a kind of a decentralized uh, uh, place where um, there would be a, a community that was supportive of actual entrepreneurship. And I thought, oh my God, this is a place that is ripe for, for MLM recruiting. And um, if we're really going to, and this is really, we're getting to the bottom line, if we're really going to maximize our own personal knowledge, skills, and experience. Um, one sure way to delay getting to that endpoint is to uh, is to is to get into the MLM game for reasons that I'm going to uh, that I'm that I'm going to explain. And I decided that I would take it upon myself uh, to to put out this content, explaining what MLMs are and explaining the reasons why in general. And and I mean all MLMs. And I'm not talking about the bad actors. I'm talking about all of them. Um, is is in general a bad idea for for a budding entrepreneur, and now it it became quick uh, uh, the case pretty quickly that I'm not sure uh, Jason's really got his heart in this. So whatever happens to this, I don't know. It's not public. I have no plans to become a member of the anti MLM community. Um, I just like I got into the skeptic thing and I got into this. I'm, I mean, some other some other kick will uh, replace it. But it's it's just been you you caught me at this stage in the journey. So uh, let me. Let, let me explain uh, it, it, at bottom what I think the problem with this is. And it's, it's that um, mathematically, uh, the, the structure is, is set up to be, um, it, it, let, 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 what, what's, the, what's the, quali the qualifier I should use? Extremely difficult to navigate to, uh, in a way that you can exceed, uh, succeed at. And I, we can, I don't know, I, I'm, I see that I'm allowed to share a screen. I don't know if you wanna, if you let your viewers share a screen because um, I, can, I can show you what I mean. Um, by definition, in all of these companies, by definition, there must be a substantial number of, uh, of uh, distributors, representatives, um, salespeople, call them what you want to, at the bottom. It has to be the case. And these individuals will are always at the bottom and must be at the bottom, and they cannot all succeed. And the reason why they cannot make money doing this is because if they all did, we would very quickly run out of people. I mean, okay. very quickly run out of people. So let me now let me take a step back and, and, and maybe I'll say something that will surprise you and your viewers, and maybe not. I don't believe that MLMs should be illegal. I, I don't believe that 
the it is the FTC's responsibility to chase them down. I find I find the FTC to be essentially um, the best thing that I can say about them is that they are inept. The worst thing that I can say about them is that they are corrupt, and they are they are fully in the pocket of the regulatory capture has occurred in the FTC in a large and frightening way, and I don't want them using my tax uh, dollars to decide who gets to stay in business and who doesn't. I don't think MLMs should be illegal. I think fraud should be illegal. And I think that if somebody is defrauded, um, they, have, uh, they have recourse. That's, that's the first thing. The second thing, I don't, I, I, I actually believe that MLM is, is a great business model for some, but not for all. Two classes of people. First, those who start them. And, and those who are in the inner circle when they first start them, it's a great way to make money for them. You need to do it by doing some things that in my view are unethical, which is essentially, you know that there are going to be between 50 and 80%, I'm, being, I'm giving generous numbers here, 50 and 80% of, of those who, um, who come into your organization as distributors who are going to lose money or who are not gonna succeed. You, have, you, you, you know that going in and you may not represent that to them um, appropriately. However, if you do, let me, let, me, let me put it to you this way. If you had a, 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 a business opportunity meeting with 200 people in it, and you asked one person to stand up and said, okay, this person uh, will, will succeed or, his, or just use this as a representative, the rest of you probably won't. That is an honest rep representation. And if they did that, uh, I, I would be okay with it. Um, there's another class of individuals who are doing very well in the MLM, MLM industry. And this is where, and listen carefully, Mike, because this is where you come in. Um, and those are the ancillary uh, uh, wings, branches, if you will, of the MLM industry. Uh, the, the, the gurus who sell uh, courses in how to recruit, which is essentially what the bulk of these courses are. Um, and, and, uh, and, and those uh, like you who, I don't know. I, should I should I be plugging your bit? I don't know. Should I even talk about your business? But I all right. I won't. But I, I what I understand that you're doing is that you found a niche in which you can leverage your skills, knowledge, and experience into kind of a, a business. Is that okay? I'm not. I, I can't even remember if you've talked about this before. So I can. Anyway. Well, you know, I, I'll share a little bit about my own experience. But uh, you know, uh, obviously, you you have quite a few objections. I, I kind of want to tackle one at a time here, if you don't mind. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the very first one you mentioned was the mathematical equation. Now you don't need to share your, uh, your screen or anything because okay. mathematically I agree with you. You know, everybody is never, okay. Let me say this in proper English. <laughs> not everybody <laughs> is double negatives. It's your show. It's okay. Not everybody is going to be successful in multi-level marketing and you're not going to recruit everybody. I, I remember this one, uh, um, multi-level marketing company I saw, they had like an advertisement and an advertisement was like a poster on a wall in their office and it was recruit the planet. Okay. Oh, Which really? I thought was cheesy. Right. But here, here's a, here's a simple, here's a simple fact. Okay. You mentioned this before, uh, you know, we weren't talking about MLM, but you, you mentioned the Pareto distribution. Mm -hmm. And so here's a fact. I'm a, there, there's a William Price. I believe his name was William Price, but there's something called Price's law. Okay, which is very similar to the Pareto principle. Now, Price's law talks about any kind of uh, systematized organization. He said that 50, no, he said the square root of the total number of people in that organization will contribute to 50% of the total value of that organization. Oh, I've never heard this one. I'm going to look it up after the show, though. Okay. okay. So, the square root, so if you have 10 people in your organization, the square root of 10 is roughly three. 
Okay, three people will have 50% of the value to that organization. If you have 100 people in that organization, then 10 people will contribute to 50% of the total value of that organization. And that mm-hmm. works across the board. In fact, I mentioned Jordan Peterson. He, he, he had a whole podcast about this where he talked about, uh, you know, if you play Monopoly enough times, you know, you're going to have certain outcomes and, and one person's going to end up with all the money every single time. You'll, you'll just see the distribution of everything, right? So no matter what, if you have an MLM or if you have a, a business, you know, even in a, a, a standard traditional business, you know, you have the people who are going to make money for that business and you have, you know, your, your regular employees who are doing whatever they can to just get mm-hmm. that paycheck. But Price's Law says that the square root of anybody, the total number of people in that organization are going to do 50% of the work. So whether you have a multi-level marketing business or you have a sports franchise or you have a traditional business, you, you, you're not going to escape that principle. And so you, you can't have everybody succeed in any business, no matter what the business model is. So I agree with you right there. Now, with that being said, the hope and the opportunity and the, um, the chance that people can become into that top tier is going to be different from business to business. And so, yeah, I do agree that not everybody's going to be successful, but you know, the mentors want to try to get people to be successful in that structure for the simple reason is the way I understand most multi-level marketing businesses. And the same is true with my company is that the mentors have a direct relationship to compensation based on what their teammates bring to the table. You are correct. So their job is to inspire and motivate and, and, and get their team to bring as much value to the table as possible. Cause then the mentor will get compensated based on that. Correct. So, that, so that's, that's the first objection that, yeah, I, I do agree that not everybody's going to be successful in multi-level marketing. That doesn't mean that it's not a great opportunity for the right person. Correct. I, I think the second thing you said, you know, not everybody's going to be successful because and, and multi-level marketing is not for everybody. We talked about this earlier when we said, you know, there's going to be people who are going to be employees, you know, are going to be people who are going to be entrepreneurs or independent contractors. And I think that has a lot to do with the capacity of the person itself. You know, some people do not have the capacity to be an entrepreneur, whether that be, you know, intellectually or, or time or, or resources or whatever. Uh, so that person, I mean, that person may not even have the capacity to be an employee, but nevertheless, you know, not everyone can be successful in any business endeavor. Would, I have, a, I have a, a point that I think we could both agree on. Okay. If you're unemployed and you need money, you need to make money. Would you agree that joining an MLM is a bad idea? If you're an employee and you need to if, make if money. You, if you are unemployed, okay. I have no money. Let me say, as opposed to I am the spouse of somebody who's got a stable job with benefits. Um, and I'm a stay-at-home mom or I'm, um, um, my, my spouse is deployed. I've just given you two examples of a typical MLM recruitee. Sure. Um, but you don't need the money. Um, there, there, I, 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 I might not say, I might not um, pat you on the back and say, go for it, girl. You know. <laughs> on the other hand, if you're a single person and you live alone and you're unemployed, even if you live with your parents, I think if you need money now in the form of a paycheck, 
that joining an MLM would not be a good idea. To, I mean, we talked about this offline, right? That uh, if you uh, if you you if you have a job, right, you would be foolish to quit, right? To 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 do your to do your MLM. Now try to translate that person who, they, instead of having quit their job, they have no job, mm -hmm. right? Is joining an MLM a good or a bad idea for them? They, I mean, they need the money because they gotta they they gotta eat, right? They gotta right. okay. Let me ask you your your objection or your question in full here. Um, first, I do agree with you. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you are unemployed and you need money, I would agree. Doing a multi-level marketing business full time is a terrible idea. Now, what I what I mean by that full time. Mm -hmm. Every business opportunity MLM person I've ever met has always said, this is not something that you do full time. Sorry, I'm not waving at you. I'm waving, waving oh. at my wife. Go ahead. This is something that you would want to do on a part-time basis Correct. and make sure that you are secure in it. Now, for several reasons. Now, I might give the same advice to somebody who is unemployed, who has no money coming in. Why would you want to start any traditional business? Because, you know, how long does it take to make money in any traditional business, whether you compare what you're doing to an MLM? Because the bottom line is you need to get clients. You need to get clients and you need to sell a service or a product. And so the same would work with any business. If you have no money and you have no clients, you're going to be out of luck really quick if you don't acquire either one. I would agree if those were the only two alternatives, either okay. join an MLM or be an entrepreneur. There's another, there's, there's an elephant in the room, Mike, and that's, a, that's, called, that's called gainful employment. Mm -hmm. Get a job, mm -hmm. okay? People, you, this, this, this nine to five that, that, we, that, we have been, that we have been bashing, if you are unemployed, your, your alternatives are not MLM or, or, uh, or entrepreneurship. I agree with you. Okay, so, but that, but that, but that's the that that's the that dichotomy that I that I believe the move that I think you made. If you didn't, if if you didn't, I will stand corrected. Um, now here's the catch twenty two about having gainful employment and starting um, an MLM as a side hustle. There there is a catch twenty two. You can do this as a a, a part time job, but. Because of uh, because of the enormous uh, turnover rate, the people that you recruit will drop out, and it is so difficult to to ascend this ladder to build a team under you uh, to become a master recruiter, motivator, and retainer of of a sales force. I think Dave Ramsey describes um, as essentially what participation in an MLL MLM really is. He describes it this way: to do that and be successful, and do it part time is even more difficult. So not only do you have the math, the, the, the math uh, uh, against you, you've got, you've got the, the only non-renewable resource against you, which is time. Mm -hmm. So if you really want to succeed at this, you got to do it full time. But if you're doing it part time, if you're doing it part time, you can't. So if you, so who succeeds in this business is people who don't need the money initially, who have very large social networks and who are really, really good. And I, and I, I, would, I, would, I would argue this, this, this may be a point where we disagree, who are already um, masterful at recruiting, 
motivating and retaining a sales force. Um, can that be taught um, on the margins? But I, I, I think that this is one of these qualities that some people have and that some people don't. I will admit, I am not one of those people. I, I, I think that I have certain gifts among which are not included the ability to uh, rec recruit, motivate, uh, and re retain a sales force that is required uh, to be successful in an MLM uh, uh, organization, right? So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that we, that we got to this point because th this catch-22 um, uh, analogy uh, occurred to me only recently, right? Don't do it if it don't you, you don't do it if you if you if you if you need it for the money because you're not going to get any money, and um, if you're going to do it part time, know that you're already starting out with one hand tied behind your back. Okay, right? You the, the people who are going to be successful are, at this are are the people who can afford to to take the gamble and lose. Well, let, let me let me uh, let me share with you what I agree with you on. Mm -hmm. Number one is that time is a valuable resource. It's a precious resource and you cannot get it back once you spend it. So I agree with you on that. Number two, um, where are we going here? So as far as influence, mm -hmm. you, you're right. Multi-level marketing is about influence. If you're going to recruit somebody to an opportunity, you have to have a certain level of influence that can also persuade somebody or influence them to, to join your organization. Right. So that, that can be, I mean, as Jason Stapleton does, he's teaching influence, regardless of this multi-level marketing or for any other endeavor, influence mm -hmm. can be learned. Mm -hmm. Okay. In my experience, the best mentors in multi-level marketing teach influence. When I came in, I would definitely say I had less influence than I have today because I didn't have that knowledge given to me. It's not given to mm -hmm. school. You know, if you're either influential or you're not, and if you're not, you need to learn those skills. Influence is not a, it's not a talent, it's a skill. We can, you know, talk about the difference between talents and skills. Some people are naturally attractive or attracting. Some people are naturally influential, but it's definitely a skill. Would you agree with that much at least? Yeah, absolutely. It's, I, it is, um, it, yeah, there's a difference between talent and skill. I think what, what I just argued was that um, there's a, you need the talent and that the, the distribution of those talents is, um, is not is is not even. There's a not there is an uneven distribution of uh, of 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 brilliant physicists who are absolutely crap at teaching. It's like really, how could you, you know, teaching it teaching is 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 a there's some who are natural teachers, um, and uh, some are not. And um, there are some skills that you can learn, but I I think that. Uh, it's like, what, what am I going to, am, am I, am I going to really give a bad analogy? If I talk about speed, what do they say? Speed can't be, what, what's, what's it they say in sports? You can't coach speed or you can't, you know, yeah. Well, I can either, use my, Michael, Michael Jordan as an example here because my, mentor, what's he say? my, well, my, so my mentor in the business is like all of five foot one. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so he's a great businessman, but he, he'll use a sports analogy saying he'll never be able to dunk a basketball. Right. It's just physically impossible for him to do because of his height. You can't teach him to dunk a basketball unless you lower, you know, at a regulation uh, basket height. You can't, you can't teach it. So that's that's not a a talent that he has. If you would say that, you know, he can't learn how to dunk and jump as high because it's it's just a physical impossibility. So yes, there is a difference between a talent and a skill.
but salesmanship, influential influence and salesmanship and the art of recruiting is a skill in my opinion. Now, I want to, I want to further uh, address this idea because not only can you learn the art of influence, the art of, of, of salesmanship, because that's really what recruiting is. Here, here's the biggest difference, I think, between maybe it's my company, what I'm doing, and what a number of other multi-level marketing companies do. Mm-hmm. Okay, We like to say that my company is a hybrid. In other words, a person can be very successful financially in my particular industry and not recruit a whole lot of people. Now, that's a big difference when you're talking about a company because it's based on the value proposition of the product or service that, that company is offering. Okay. I, you know, I can throw any number of companies out there that sell uh, potions, lotions, and pills, right? Mm-hmm. It would take you the same amount of time, energy, and effort to acquire one person in my industry, which is financial services. If I acquire a, a, a client to sell insurance to, it takes the time, time, energy, and effort to acquire that client as it would if I were to sell them you know, a, a pill, a, a health supplement or something like that. The difference is I will make 10 to 20 times more money on that one sale than a different product. So what I'm saying is that it, it does, certainly does depend on the type of company that you're in as far as how much money you'll make off the bat with your salesmanship in multi-level marketing. Let, let me ask you a question that I hope you've considered regarding financial services. Um, and and I, I agree that without question, I would have to answer in the affirmative that financial services are uh, a way, are, are, are a reputable, necessary and needed product, whereas dirt from a peat bog in Canada that, um, uh, that is sold to be consumed lack oxygen organics of blessed memory. They were just um, shut down by, by the, the government of Canada, um, is not. Mm-hmm. But let me ask you a question, which I'm, I, I hope that you've somehow considered. Um, these, these are indeed valuable products. They can be sold in a non-MLM um, uh, context, which, which would result in, uh, on the one hand, Producers earning um, much more than you're earning in your in in, in your company, and don't need to be uh, sold in an MLM uh, model at all. Okay. So so why not sell them in a non MLM market? So that that's, that's a great technical. question. That, that that's, that's a great question, and you know I am not sure I want to necessarily sell you my company on the air, but I, I want to just explain mm-hmm. uh, in, in brief as in in brevity as possible, mm-hmm. because I just had a conversation the other day. Absolutely. There are lots of different ways of making money in financial services without being attached to a multi-level marketing structure. Uh, We talk about it in the financial services industry based on contract level, right? You get paid a certain contract for the product that you deliver. Some companies have higher contracts than others. What makes my company different is the structure of MLM. And I can prove this offline. We don't have to get into a conversation. Mm -hmm because you're building an agency of people, okay? The spread of having an override of an agency of people, whether I have five, 10 or hundred or a thousand people will ensure that I get way more compensation on the back end than I ever could sell that many people individually. In other words, here's the thing. 
this is going to the key principle of why somebody would want to be in uh, multi-level marketing to begin with. John Paul Getty said, I'd rather have the efforts of 100 people, 1% of the efforts of 100 people than 100% of the efforts of my own. It comes down to time. When you're in multi-level marketing, you now can leverage the time and effort of multiple people rather than having enough time yourself to make the same compensation. Sounds good in theory. The problem is, is, the problem is, this, is this endless need and, and, and to spend inordinate amounts of your time recruiting. And you've, and you've got to recruit. I mean, I don't, again, I don't, I, don't, I don't want you to air any of your company's dirty laundry on here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going, and I'm, I'm just going to speculate that, uh, that the, your turnover rate is as high as it is industry-wide, uh, or at least that it falls within the range, and that inordinate amounts of your time um, must be sent, spent in, 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 a, in acquiring distributors who, let's face it, Mike, are also your customers. Uh, so in, in, in a way, it, it's customer acquisition. I mean, and, and there is a certain amount. I think, I think that there's a, there's a question that neither of us can answer. And I, and I don't expect that you to be able to answer it, but somebody in your company can answer it. If no product or service was sold outside to, to, to non-distributors, would your company still be financially viable? For, for, for most, I, I might speculate all, MLMs, the answer to that question is yes. So almost all or, or, or 100% of MLMs can function as closed systems. In other words, the, 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 the customers are the distributors mm -hmm. and, it would, and it would function that way. Um, and to, 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 uh, to get this spread that you talk about is gonna require that you be a master recruiter. And uh, and and really uh, uh, do this day and night, night what uh, every day, nights and weekends. Again, I don't I don't want to say that necessarily that I'm a, that I'm a devotee of of uh, Dave uh, Ramsey. I know that he um, his his uh, slavish um, devotion to uh, or opposition to to uh, to debt of all kinds is a little bit over the top. But the way that he the way that he describes this, honestly, I, I, I think is spot on. And I think that if if the people that you recruit, Mike, are are aware of this going in, have at. Go go ahead and roll the dice, but please don't do it if if you if you think that you're gonna get if you think you're gonna get that six-figure uh, income, because um, the odds are are way stacked against you. And 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 here comes the other part. We didn't and we didn't talk about this. And I, I know that the bad apples are, uh, uh, counter argument is going to come up, but I'm going to I'm going to counter that uh, bad apples argument right off the bat with the question of incentives. And incentives make the world go round, man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the the incentive in multi level marketing to oversell the opportunity is un unavoidable. And if you because if you don't oversell it, I don't know how you're going to get people to join. But overselling it to me is uh, is 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 equivalent to misrepresentation, and that gets down to, you know, and I and I've watched it, 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 on my journey down this rabbit hole. I have watched a ton of business presentations, and they all begin with flashing money in front of the crowd. All of them <laughs> do, every single one of them, and uh, and and even if even if it is not explicitly said, folks. The likelihood that you're going to do what I did uh, is is very small. 
the, the, the idea still gets in their heads. And that, that's part of the problem that I have with this. I'm sorry, I've, I've, I've really veered all over the map. Well, okay, so you, you, met, you, met, you mentioned flashing money. And mm-hmm. uh, I, again, I use my mentor because, you know, he's just ingrained in my mind. Him and I have become really good friends. But uh, he would say that uh, he actually uh, had a stint in the Amway Corporation. I'll, I'll just throw one name out there, right? And he said in Amway, it was the greatest time he ever had, the most fun he ever had at not making money. He I'm said he had a good time. Yeah, that's fine. okay. So I, again, I'm not trying to discuss the merits of my particular business or industry, mm-hmm. but you know, there is definitely a difference in, in some companies within the MLM umbrella, if you would. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the other thing is not everybody is incentivized by money. Okay. So you mentioned that, you know, if you already well to do, then this would be a great opportunity because you don't have to worry about making money. Sure. Okay. Some people are motivated by money. Some people like myself are motivated by, I just don't want to work for somebody else, which I guess would incorporate having money there, right? Some people just, I want to be able to work when I want to with who I want to. Uh, Some people would like to develop their own team of people that they're working with. Some people would, you know, so there's many different incentives there. It's not always about making money. Now, at the end of the day, you know, if you go into business for yourself, you want to be able to make money. So what's the incentive of starting a traditional business? Well, I hope to make money. What happens if you suck at that business? What happens if you can't acquire clients in that business? What happens if, you know, you have a bad idea that the market is just not, you know, attracted to? Well, you're not going to make money in that traditional business. So again, it comes down to what the product is, what the service is, what the market demand is. And so I would compare MLM to that other type of business. Now, again, the incentive is, if you're in business for yourself in a traditional business, okay, and you're not particularly motivated by money, what is the greater motivation there? Do you want to solve the world's problems? Do you want to solve a particular market problem? Okay. Why would you, why would you have a, I'm just, I'm not picking on you, but I'm just asking straight out. Why would you start a cleaning service? Did you do it because you think the world needs to have clean bathrooms? Or did you say, hey, there's a service here that people have in demand that you know, I could provide service to. I can provide a solution to that problem. No, the 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 answer is is entirely um, uh, self interested. Um, I I I I do this because uh, out of complete one hundred percent self interest. Now, the reason the business is succeeding, January notwithstanding, and I'm going to uh, air that dirty laundry in public on the Nomad Network. <laughs> the reason this business is succeeding is because we are we are solving um, a problem that people need. I'm glad we're solving their problem. They're solving their problem is secondary, right? And this is a point actually we're, we're, we're circling back to Jason, right? Um, this, this is a reflection of, 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 of an ethical dollar, dollar being made, right? I'm glad the reason, I wanna put it this way. Um, I want to make money. The reason I am making money is because I'm solving a problem, right? And um, Another great YouTuber who I highly recommend. Um, you you don't watch his anti MLM content because it'll make you mad. But he 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 has other videos about, and he's an enormously successful um, uh, uh, YouTuber um, named um, Jane J A I N. I'm spacing on what his first name is. Um, yeah, that's okay. Uh, and he says he he says the key is is uh, you know chase problems. If you can figure out how to solve somebody's problems, 
you know, you'll, 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 you'll be rich. Now in, in, um, if you, if you have an idea for a business, um, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and it fails, it could fail for a number of reasons. You, you, the, the answer to your question, I think that the simple answer is, um, you, uh, you, you dust off and, and, um, and, and try again. Uh, on the other hand, I think what you, what you've got, uh, going in front of you right now is, is an opportunity. There is a need to, um, to, to visually present. I mean, even if it is within the MLM industry, you know, you're, you're seeing a need and you're filling a need. And if it, and if it makes you rich, I say, good for you, man. Right. I got, I got, it's, it's an, it's an ethical dollar made. I got, I got no problem with that. Um, and the only, the only problem I have regarding ethics with, with those um, in, 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 I say would really be a very, very small um, percentage of, of those who are involved in presenting and selling um, uh, opportunities in, in the MLM industry is those who know that the only that for 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 them to succeed there must be this enormous pool of people at the bottom who are buying the product but are not making any money and and go ahead and do it anyway or if they are you know in there again i'm and and this is my anarchist sort of way of thinking about things if they are at peace with that if they're okay with that more power to them i i could not i could not do that um, the difference between employees and and um, and um, uh, 1099 contract uh, co uh, commission only contractors in MLMs is that is at the end of the week the the, the employees of Liberty Secura get paid for the labor that they provide. They don't need to recruit other house cleaners to compete with them. Uh, they it, it would be ridiculous for them to do so. There's a finite number of of, of, uh, of people and a finite number of, of houses. This, this thing works because we, we are competing successfully because for, for a variety of reasons, which again, I don't, I, I don't, wanna, I don't wanna derail us, but we have, we have certain differentiators which, which have given rise to our, 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 uh, our success in this market. Um, I'm, I'm going way, I, I'm, I'm really going all over the map here. Let's see what time it is. Have we totally bored everybody in your audience at this point, or are we doing okay? I'm think, having okay. a good time with this conversation. Okay, good. So. Anyway, just 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 re just just to return to uh, to 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 video production and editing, I I think you got a great, um, you you you've got a, an opportunity here. Maybe it'll succeed. Maybe it won't. But just you know, I don't know. How does this how does this work? There's like something in your psyche when you hear somebody who's got an idea and you think, oh yeah, that's a good idea. You know, I can't do it, or I, or maybe, or uh, ideal situation. I wish I had thought of that, Uber. Um, but uh, you know, there's just some. You know, it's it's like that. It's it's that, that that little spider sense. You know, that goes off, and you say, "Oh yeah, that's a good idea." You know, that's the kind of thing that I think that you've got going here, right? And mm -hmm. you you could parlay this into uh, in, into a nice little business, and who knows, it could spin off, it could spin off other businesses. Well, right. so so let's let's address something about that particularly. Uh -huh. Now, as a one man show, being a videographer and editor, you know, it's one of my side hustles that I just happen to fall into because you know the marketing of my financial team, my multi level marketing, they they want to be able to incentivize people to hey, here's some of the benefits. So that's how I got into that. I just happen to have that experience and that interest because I went to school for that 20 years ago. 
Now I can become ultra successful by landing some really good clients who pay me, but there's only so many clients I can, I can handle at one time. There's only so much time I can spend editing any particular videos. Okay. If I want to duplicate my income, how am I going to do that? I would have to hire another videographer. I would have to hire another uh, editor. I'd have to hire somebody from marketing to, to find my client. I, I, so I'd have a whole slew of employees. Mm-hmm. Now, sure, I could sit there and say, well, I'll pay you as an employee 10 bucks an hour to sit here and, you know, categorize all my, all my clips and, you know, th- whatever. So yeah, yeah I could have more a, than 10, please. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. But, but, go ahead. but here's the, here's the thing going back to Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant. Okay. Mm-hmm. When it comes to leveraging your time, mm-hmm. if you're an employee, right. You said you don't like that word trading time for money and that's fine. But if you don't work as an employee, you're not making money. Would you agree? Absolutely. Okay. Now, the other one in the cash flow quadrant was the S category, the self-employed. Okay. If you have, if you're self-employed, let's say you are a plumber. I actually spent a time as a heating and air conditioning contractor and I worked for myself. If I don't spend my time servicing that client, I don't get paid. As a business owner, I'm going to use McDonald's as a classic example here. McDonald's, people own those franchises but that franchise is now run by a whole bunch of people. Okay. That business owner at McDonald's probably does not spend his time in the McDonald's flipping hamburgers. He has a bunch of people working for him. Okay. And you can call those people employees. Now in the multi-level marketing structure, sure. I may not have employees, but what I do have is a team of people who are going after their own thing, their own dreams, their own incentives. And if I want to, and this is a practicality for my life, I could walk away, pursue other interests and still have money coming in because- mm, Not if you stop recruiting. No, see- th- Those guys are going to quit. Not all of them. Not all of them. Not, some people not, are- not, not all of them, but, but some, somebody, you got to have a critical mass. Now, I, I know that these numbers can be written down and I, and I actually um, uh, know that that number in, in, in your particular company is known. Um, on average, how many people- you, you need to recruit in order to get that very small critical number of people who are going to do the hard work of recruiting for you. But it, for, for all intents and purposes, uh, the likelihood that you're going to get to that point where you, where you can walk away, where you don't need to be on top of, uh, of, of, of the recruiting is really unlikely. By, con- by, by comparison to the franchise uh, uh, owner um, of, a, of a McDonald's, they can work there if they like, but what they can be sure of and what the people who work for him can be sure of th- is that every two weeks, they're gonna get a paycheck and they're gonna get, uh, they're gonna get either a W-2 or a 1099 at the end of the year. I'm not sure how. Now, what, you're, what, what the people, uh, what the associates at the bottom level of an, uh, uh, of an MLM cannot rely on is a paycheck. So if they need one, they're in the wrong business. Okay. Uh, well, we've made the distinction. If you're looking for money as a, in terms of you don't have any income coming in, but see, that's not what the incentive is for getting people into an MLM. The incentive is, okay, what are the, you, you call it dream building, right? You know, what are the possibility of you actually becoming one of those few who are at the top who have uh, afforded the luxury of having a team built, getting to that critical mass of people, right? that can happen for any kind of bit. So McDonald's, they can get a paycheck, right? Every two weeks. Mm-hmm. But what happens when the maintenance on that building falls short? 
What happens when, you know, the neighborhood goes bad? What happens when uh, the guy who owns the McDonald's doesn't actually, you know, continue to uh, work with the products that the, 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 the main corporation of McDonald's is, is marketing? What happens if he doesn't do all that stuff? See, in multi-level marketing, you actually have a team of people who are already incentivized to do that marketing, who are already incentivized to maintain the business model, who are already incentivized to continue to grow. Now, it may happen that some of them are not going to, that's prices law again. Some of them are not going to make it. Some of them will. Once you reach that critical mass, well, then sure, you can have a, a, a legitimate business that will be self-sustaining. Could I, and that's, would, that's true with almost any business. Would you? Yeah, but but the, there's there's a couple things that I, the, the, that I, points that I would I would I would say in response to this. Um, the first is can can would would you accept if I amend what you say when you say some? If we if I amended that and said most will not succeed in the in the, in the sense that they will not make money or they will lose money. I'm not gonna I'm 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 not gonna I'm not gonna get into I I believe that the data showing what the actual numbers of, of, of loss, the loss rate and the failure rate is, are sound. We don't need to argue those. The, the next thing that I, that I would, I, I hope we could agree on is that um, a contract um, salesperson status is not the same as, as a business. It, and, and, the, and, the, and the equivalence must be made, the, the, the distinction is stark and it must be outlined. These, the, the, you as a, uh, as a distributor, as a representative producer in, in an MLM are not, do not have a business. Your company is the business. Uh, and so you can compare being an, being an MLMer to being in a business all you want, but, you're, but you, 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 this is an expression that you used when we were talking about fruits. One is apples and the other is oranges. You cannot compare being in an, being a member of an MLM, being a participant in an MLM, and having a business. You well, how, 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 they are they they are categorically different. I, I I would disagree, and this is why they are they are different categories. Okay, right. So I, who 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 writes? I, I write the checks in in my business, right? Do you? Okay. No. All right. If that's the I, only I, distinction I decide, you're going to make, I, I make all the decisions about the product, about about its marketing, about its distribution, uh, about hiring and firing. I own this business. Mm -hmm. You're you're the, the the people that you've recruited. You yourself, the person who recruited you, do not own this business. And 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 it's it's essential that you understand this distinction. Uh, and and I think the problem my my problem. Another one of my problems with this is that the individuals who are recruited into the into MLMs are told that they are starting their own business. I don't know how I don't know how it is that they believe this, that this is true, but somehow they are convinced that 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 they have that they have ownership. Okay, so let, let, me me, the, let me return to the to the example of what I'm so I'm so sorry we're screwing up this podcast. You could, yes, if você fecha a porta. Please, um, is um, uh, black ox uh, black oxygen organics, which closed, and one day everybody who had their own business didn't have their business anymore mm -hmm. because it was never their business. Black oxygen organics closed, was shut down. So uh, 
it, it's it's essential to just I, and I have no problem with people getting involved in this just so long as everybody is clear and honest about what it actually is. Okay, uh, well, let's stop there. So, okay. yes, there is there is definitely I agree that words have meaning, mm-hmm. and words are important. And I'm going to use this example again because I use it. Uh, McDonald's. Mm-hmm. If you are a franchise owner of McDonald's, just just clear as day, are you a business owner or not? You're a franchisee. I would not say it's there's, it's a it's a different category. Okay, so now we're talking about different types of categories, and I'm fine with mm-hmm. that because at McDonald's you can't just serve uh, steaks. You can't serve steak right. and potatoes at McDonald's. You are limited to the menu that the corporate of McDonald's has. So correct. We we again, agree. We agree. You're not you're you're not the business owner. Okay, so if you are saying that you are not owning a business in MLM in that sense, then yes, mm-hmm. we agree. Mm-hmm. However, in my experience people who are successful, at least in my company, they run their own office. So they are in charge of all the operation expenses of that office, all the overhead of that office, right? The rent and the utilities and all that stuff. True. Okay. They get to hire and work with whoever they want. They essentially can terminate people. You've made that distinction in, in, your, in your, your content before, if they want to. Okay. They are not allowed to come up with a new product that the you know main business owner or the corporate has said, this is what you have. So in that regard, it's the same thing as a franchisee. Mm-hmm. Now, multi-level marketing and franchisees oh. are different categories. Almost. The same almost. as business We're, owners. And- yeah, almost. We're moving a little closer here. Keep going. Okay. I, I, I got. And, and so you, as a, as a independent contractor, you know, you are also in charge of your own marketing. If you don't hire the people who market the products, then neither you nor anybody else in that whole organization are going to make any money. So you are exclusive to marketing that. So your own efforts have to be made. Okay. Now a McDonald's, what differentiates that from McDonald's is the name on the building is McDonald's. People already know what McDonald's is. I think that we already agreed, Mike. You have to do more marketing. I think we already agreed that a franchise, that that the owner of a franchise is not, is, is not, is not a business owner. Okay. So what we're talking about, we're basically talking about semantics here. The difference between a franchisee and a, business, and, a, and a true entrepreneur and an independent yeah. contractor, you know, right. are but, all different categories. So if we're going to argue, if we're going to argue about semantics, then I agree with you. They are different categories. Right. But where I think you and I, this is the biggest distinction that I think and the biggest uh, objection I have to some of the content you've been putting, especially on a nomad network, uh-huh. is because in my estimation, if somebody is, has the motivation, has the incentive desire to become an independent contractor that understands the structure of the business is coached and mentored properly and has acquired the skills of influence and salesmanship. When you say that people, especially in the nomad network who are looking for that alternative to having an employment situation where you will dissuade them from joining multi level marketing. And I think why, why, because I think why, everything why? Because the li- that a person because, wants because to- the likelihood, the like their likelihood of success is is um, I tend to be hyperbolic. I don't want to say infinitesimally small, but it's very small. And that their skills, knowledge, and experience is better put to uh, uh, the the expression of their of, of a true entrepreneurial spirit, not as not not and and not to be forgive me, Mike, lied to and told that they are an entrepreneur. When in fact they are a 1099 contract employee who's commission only, and uh, and and um, is only going to succeed if they if they recruit enormous and let's face it, it has to be enormous numbers of people 
underneath them before they succeed. Here's one place where we were beginning to converge and, and, um, uh, and, and agree. If you build an organization that is so large that really you must incorporate in order, in order to do business, then yes. So I have Rob Lindemann um, LLC, and it happens that the majority of that, that, that my, what my business is engaged in is, uh, is, is selling this product or service for, uh, for uh, um, an MLM, uh, then fine. Um, I still doesn't really necessarily, I have my own, at that point, I have my own business. But what I, I, I still don't have is um, any of those control elements that we talked about before. Um, product, marketing, branding, um, hiring and firing. I mean, unless you hire, you know, you have to hire a secretary. Um, you, you know, you, you, you have expenses and rent and that, but that comes out of your, uh, of your income, which is 1099 income. Now I got nothing about 100% of Liberty Medical Communications um, uh, income is 1099. Um, no, it's not, forgive me. It's not 1099. It's not hundred percent of 1099 income, but I do a lot of subcontract work. So a certain percentage is, is so I got no problem with, with, uh, income being 1099 income, but um, my name's on the masthead, right? I I I am, am responsible for uh, everything else that, that that has to do with the business here. So I, as long as, I I would I would hope that the MLM industry would move to the point where, as as a group, all of them would would be would would tell the truth to. Um, to potential recruits and to actual recruits about what it, what the nature of their job is, and it is a job, right? And 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 not to keep calling it uh, entrepreneurship and a business, and you and you and you've got to run it like a business, because in no meaningful sense it is. Okay. Well, I, 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 you know, I, I want to get this. We've been going about ninety minutes mm -hmm. here, so I, I want, I want to throw out one more concept out there, and okay. I, I think this is, this is probably the deciding factor. As to somebody whether they want to go the MLM route or have their own business in, in the sense that you're defining that, mm -hmm. okay, and that is leverage. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, yes, you have a business and you are responsible to ultimately the guy at the top. You have to cut the checks to the employees, but you also have to do the marketing. You also have to do the advertising. You also have to do client acquisition. You also so all that stuff is your responsibility the risk that somebody can handle all that responsibility on their own, whether they can leverage a team of people to do that on their behalf, that is an important distinction. And I think that is the decide that that is what attracted me to this business model. I can run my uh, um, videography business all I want, but then I have to have responsibility for all that other stuff. Whereas if I actually leverage my, my leadership, if I leverage another successful producer on my team, if I leverage uh, anybody I have underneath my hierarchy to, to have client acquisition, all that stuff, I am not 100% responsible for. So am I a business owner in a truest sense? Sure, definitionally, maybe not. But mm -hmm. the incentive structure for me to be able to leverage all those things or do it all myself is a very attractive feature about MLM, and, and that's, still, and even that's, though even even honestly knowing that the that the that that your uh, um, ticket to success, if if you choose to stay, is uh, to to become a master recruiter, is to be a master recruiter. Because really, I mean, I think that 
Look, I, we, we forgot about, there was one element about MLMs that I forgot to mention um, at the beginning. In, in, it's, a, it's a feature that all MLMs sell in common. And, and, and I think it's a, major, it's a major criticism that I have of my own criticism, one of the best arguments against me. And that is, Rob, you know, all MLMs are, you know, sell the dream, you know, the most valuable, the, the sought after uh, uh, commodity in the world. And you're, um, again, uh, swear words allowed or not? Can That's I, fine. all right, should I, all right, pooping. You're pooping all over people's dreams. What a reprehensible SOB you must be to, 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 to poop on people's dreams. And I said, yeah, that is, that, that, that is kind of a, of, of a rotten thing to do. But uh, I, 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 I do it because I, 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 I feel as though, let's uh, isolate our, 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 uh, our conversation to members of the Nomad Network, have um, enormous potential to, to leverage their skills, on, uh, experience, and, and knowledge towards um, more fruitful uh, pursuits, shall we say. Now, and um, yeah, so those really are the two points. Every, ML, every MLM essentially sells the same thing, the dream. Freedom, financial freedom, with by, which by the way is, or is, is truly owned by perhaps, you, I, could, I could count maybe on, on, on the fingers of, of two hands, um, the individuals in the world who truly have financial freedom. And it's, it's, it's a, it, it, it bugs me that that gets tossed around. Well, I'm gonna interrupt you. Everybody, because... everybody has to work, right? Okay, well, and the, right. And I'm the, sorry, Rob. And I want to other... interrupt you right there, just okay. for one idea, because the idea of true financial freedom is is uh, um, left to those who, what's the word? I'm not. I can't think of the word I'm thinking of. It's, it's up to interpretation. Oh yeah, because big time. You can you can have financial freedom and make a healthy six figures, or you can have financial freedom and make a, a seven or eight figures. And so, somebody who is not who did not start the MLM, who you know may be earning five or six, you know, figures, they could be financially free based on their own understanding of that word. And so I guess the, the idea is, oh, how much money do you want to make? Because if you want to make 10 figures in an in, in MLM, yeah, it's going to require a lot of time and energy to do that. Right. And, and, and the chance of you doing that is very slim. And I'll, I understand it. But for the person who is starting this opportunity, who is making only a thousand dollars a month, that's $12,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Why would you poo-poo that idea? Because if you own a business with the intention of starting becoming financially free, the chance of you being financially free owning any business, whether it's MLM or traditional, are about the same in my estimation. You did it again, Mike. It's the the M- people in MLMs don't own businesses, and so and so they can try and start business, and that's one thing. But being in an, when you're being in an MLM, you you, you have a you have a, a contract sales position. Um, you're right. I think the the, the definition of, of financial freedom is is vague, and it's probably pers- pers- uh, purposefully vague, and it's it, it's it's waved out there. But it is. But whatever this dream is, it's what's being sold. And if you go back and you watch that episode on um, on on the um, on income income disclosures, uh, the, the, the I, I showed examples from the companies that was paired with their income disclosures about the way that they present um, their opportunity, and this is what it offers, right? Um, sitting in the catbird seat, right? And yeah, I I I, I get that. That's a, that's a that's a great dream, but it is dangled, and and you, it it, it is. I, I wonder sometimes 
why? I mean, there are MLMs that sell virtually everything from, from um, toys for um, uh, a consensual adult activity to, to financial products, to, um, to energy plans, and all of them, I mean, the, the, the most diverse array of products and all of them are sold in exactly the same way by selling the dream, you know, selling to, to, to produce. And I wonder why, why do they, why do they do it that way? And I, and I, and I think it's because it's really, it's effective. I, I think it, it's because it works, but I think that the dream is illusory and it is, it is an illusion. And the, I, I don't know what the true path to prosperity is, but I don't think it's this way. And, um, you know, it, some will, but the masses of people who are recruited with, with, with that um, opportunity dangled in front of them are going to be, are going to join because they think that it's possible and, uh, and aren't gonna make it. And, and, and another thing, the, the MLMs cannot stay in business if they, if, they, if they cannot continually convince people to join, right? Because that's the source, that, that's the source of, the, uh, of the revenue. That flows well, out. I would say the same for any business. If they can't, if they can't sell their products, whether it's internally sold or if right. they cannot sell any other right. marketing situation, that business is not going to stay in business. And right, but right, but my, but but again, um, I my my employees are are not are not uh, ten uh, they're ten ninety nine employees, but they're 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 not commission only contract, and they don't have to recruit. And at the and at the end and on Friday they get paid. Um, so they are they do not have a business right mlmers are not a business you you can compa- you can compare um uh, you 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 try to compare an mlmer to a business and in so doing you commit a category error they are different categories of things okay. yeah businesses can fail and yeah you can fail at mlm but um the the only the only um common denominator between them is the word fail you can't, you, it, it, it's comparing an employee to an employer. Well, I would say that employees can fail and be fired. Mm-hmm. I would say that traditional right. business owners can fail and lose everything. And True. I would say that somebody in MLM can also fail. And True. I'm going to go back to where I started with this prices lost, this distribution mm-hmm. of people who are, or Pareto principle, people who are the 80 20 rule, right? Not everyone's going to succeed in any endeavor. And mm-hmm. I think, Rob, the, the, the biggest difference that we have is, is, is that semantic difference between whether you own a business in a traditional sense or whether you are a contractor. And I think that, yes, you can own a business from day one in a traditional sense and call yourself a business owner. And in MLM, you may not start as a business owner, but with everything that we discussed here in almost every single category, except definitionally, you can run a successful MLM business, whether it's yours or in a traditional sense, or whether it's operating like a business, much like a franchise is operating like a business. I don't think there's any distinction. I don't see a distinction there. I just think it's a semantical difference. And uh, my, my biggest, like I said, my biggest thing is uh, MLM is not for everybody. I'm not the most successful. I'm not making seven figures in MLM, but I position myself where I'm making a recurring income based on past efforts. And I know that if I turn the spigot on and I start recruiting again, sure, hiring people, duplicating my efforts that I can make good money in it. 
That's not everyone's going to do that. Offline, offline, I wanted to ask you a, a question about what happens to that uh, to, to that income. I I, I got I, I know we could, we could talk all night about this, but the and and by the way, we're we're about to get whacked with with the, with the storm of the century. So <clears throat> that's that's going to be exciting. We want to look at that. Um, the um, franchises are often are often compare, compared to MLMs, and they shouldn't be. And there's actually an important reason why. And I hate to get deep into the weeds about this, but but the the beloved and and um, uh, recently mentioned FTC has defined a difference between um, franchises and multi-level marketing companies. Franchises are required to uh, engage in certain disclosures regarding um, uh, locations of, uh, of of stores, the amount of business that they do. Uh, and, and a bunch of other parameters that MLMs are, are exempt from doing precisely because lobbying efforts have, have excluded them uh, from, from, from those requirements. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's really what I think what has allowed uh, MLMs to continue um, as, as they are. Now, in my opinion, none of this regulation should, should occur. If, if McDonald's wants to set up, uh, if a franchisee wants to set up across the street from another McDonald's, have at. You're gonna fail, but that's on you, buddy. Right? Um, I, I requirements for disclosure are a, a, a sticky topic, and we could probably talk for two hours about that. Income disclosures are an interesting are are, are an interesting phenomenon. Um, uh, uh, contrary to some of the opinions of, of people who I follow in the anti MLM community, income disclosures are, by MLMs are not required, and you, as you know that because your company does not um, uh, publish one. So it, it sort of raises the musical question: Why do why do any MLMs publish income disclosure statements? I can think of a reason why. Can you? Well, I'll tell you, you would, why. If you would say because they're trying to sell a dream with uh, misleading information, then that would no. They they uh, I'm close. You're you're getting there. Keep going because you may get to, we may, you may get to the point that that I was going to make. Well, you go for for sake of time. Just go ahead and make your point, because uh... okay, it's it's this. Um, when at such time as they get sued in a class action by distributors saying you met, you, you all misrepresented this to me, they could say the income disclosure is on our website. You didn't read it, bozo. That's on you, right? I'm, I'm forgive me to put it in those terms. Let me put it in more legalese terms. It reduces their exposure to litigation. That's why MLMs publish income disclosures, because they know it's not a they they, they know it's it's a it's a low probability uh, proposition, and um, they're being upfront and telling people. In fact, in um, I'll even say their name. Well, I don't know. All right, Young Living, in their compliance uh, 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 documentation, a recruiter is required to show the income disclosure statement to a recruitee. I don't know how they prove that they've that they've done this, but they, they are so afraid of class action litigation on the part of the the uh, the, recruit, the um, distributors that they put this in their compliance documents. And if you don't, you know, disclose it's on you. So um, as long as the, as long as somebody's going in with clear eyes and they're willing to roll the dice, knowing that they're that the odds are stacked against them, I'm not. You know, I'm, I'm not I, I don't want to legally prevent them from doing it, which is why I don't think MLM should be illegal. But I don't think it's a good idea. Well, I, I think we can leave it at that because we've, mm-hmm. we've gone two hours. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, that I, I like to have the, the listeners kind of make their own decision. You've you've raised some valid points 
And, uh, you know, I've been, I've been in the industry for many years. I've heard all of the points out there. And, you know, I think what it comes down to right now is, is it's a semantical difference uh, between what a true business is and, you know, being a contractor is. But I, again, I don't think I would dissuade people from taking an opportunity if ethically speaking, they're told up front what the risk factor is, because in, there's, there's risk being an employee, yeah. there's risk being a traditional business owner, there's risk being MLM. And I think that in any endeavor, understanding the risks, knowing upfront what the risks are and, and taking those chances, you're going to find success in, in just about any channel. I know that because there are lots of people who succeed in every kind of industry. Yeah, I think, I think we agree. We, we, I think we definitely agree about, about transparency and, and being, um, and being clear-eyed about it. Absolutely. All right. Well, I appreciate your time, Rob. And, you know, we can continue offline and, you know, just uh, we'll, we'll probably just agree to disagree. But, uh, you know, the purpose of this show is just, just to uh, to expound that uh, that knowledge of, of things that do exist out there and, and let people, uh, you know, decide what they want to do. I, I found successful people in every in- industry and unsuccessful in everything else. And so I think we'll just leave it at that. True. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you.